Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. Luke 2, 25-35 Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required— Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Hey, it's good to see everyone this morning. Uh, Before I get started with our message, I just wanted to share with you a couple, I think, uh, just very special things. We received a correspondence uh, as anonymous from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I thought I'd just share this with you. It's a card. It says, it's going to be okay. How can you know? And it says, because God so loved the world. You open it up. Um... It says, as a scripture from Ephesians 1.19, I pray that you'll begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. Uh, And then the card goes on to say, praying, hoping, and believing with you in the wisdom and guidance of his amazing love, you're in my thoughts and prayers today. And then it says, believing God to do uh, immeasurably more then we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. And it says, to be used in the relief effort for earthquake. Uh, God will multiply this. Right? And then inside is uh, $15. Isn't that something? And uh, we're going we're gonna to put this to use uh, in our church for those who have been impacted uh, by the earthquake. So that came from, from Pittsburgh, all the way from Pittsburgh, anonymous. Just somebody that uh, found out about the earthquake and knows about our church, um, maybe read about it online in the Covenant Companion. Uh, and then another letter. This one came from um, North Carolina. Wow. And uh, I'll just read part of this. Uh, Dear Pastor, we realize that in the grand scheme of things, this offering is small, 
But as they say, every little bit helps. We hope this will help those in need. Uh, please consider this an anonymous gift. Um, then it goes on to say, I know that your church will put it to good use to ease the pain of the catastrophe right before the celebration of the birth of Christ. And then they, they wrote this little paragraph. The children don't understand the magnitude of the earthquake and probably fearful that Santa won't find them. Oh, and there's something. Um, so I hope this is a comfort to you and your church family. Um, and may God give you comfort and guidance uh, during this time. Uh, and there was a there was a check in here uh, to the church for five hundred dollars. Yeah, uh, for earthquake relief. And uh, we are uh, taking that, and we're going to be putting it in our uh, community cares emergency fund. And we're aware of some people in the congregation who particularly have been hit hard or in the community. And those funds are going to be used for that. Uh, and then also, uh, as we uh, move forward with repair of our of our uh, facility, uh, one estimate is about fifty thousand dollars worth of damage to the building. Um, we do not have earthquake insurance, so that's uninsured. Uh, but God will provide, and we're going to be gathering work teams. Uh, Sherry, you're in the back there. I know it's. We put something in the e news. And uh, after the first of the year, gathering those of you that uh, like to do drywall, sheetrock, plaster, paint, all those kinds of great things. And uh, we're going to do the best we can with, uh, quote, non-paid uh, help uh, to defray the cost of, of the damage to our church. We're going to want to start in this building. And we're going to want to get this fixed here, uh, the cracks and things behind the cross. And as you move along, you'll, you'll see all that. So... Um, God is good and God is providing and uh, we're just so grateful that we can be a part of um, bringing hope, healing, and wholeness into our community and to our world. Uh, by the way, in case you're not aware, uh, there was a um, tsunami in Indonesia uh, today or yesterday, but today for us. Uh, there are uh, many people killed, many people displaced. Uh, and as we have experienced our own natural disaster recently, um, you know, our hearts go out to people in other places in the world, uh, many of whom don't have the resources uh, that we have here, yet they've been hit so very hard. So as we begin this morning, let's pray. I'll just lead us in prayer. Father, we do thank you for the generosity of those who uh, want to help. I want to help our church, want to help our community, uh, Lord, in these days following uh, our earthquake. Father, thank you for those who are rolling up their sleeves. Thank you for those who uh, quietly go about the work in our church, uh, amongst our families, in our community, of bringing Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness. And Lord, uh, as we think about our own um, disaster, Lord, the events that took place just a few weeks ago here in the Anchorage area. We think of those who are in Indonesia right now who have been stricken with an earthquake, a volcano, and a tsunami. And Lord, there's loss of life. There's great displacement of people. Um, Lord, it is, again, a, a tragedy that is impacting so many. Father, we pray that the peace of Christ 
would reign in the chaos of that event, uh, that you would be at work through your people, through relief agencies, uh, Lord, that you would be providing comfort and shelter and care uh, to those who are in desperate need. And Father, as we go through our own um, difficulties recovering from our earthquake, Lord, would you impress upon our hearts the needs to pray, the need to pray for those elsewhere in the world who uh, are experiencing um, their own tragedy and adversity. Father, we pray that uh, Christ uh, would be the light of the world, uh, especially in difficult and dark places this Christmas season. And so, Father, we commit uh, those who are in Indonesia, those who are in other places of the world, uh, that need the hope and the light and the life uh, that Christ can bring. Father, we commit them to you, and we pray these things, and we ask them uh, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, um, today is our last Sunday uh, in our Advent series. Uh, We've taken a look at the shepherds, Joseph and Mary. Last week, we looked at the Magi. And today, just briefly, uh, we're going to be looking at a man named Simeon. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but it seems like from the time I was a child until now, my heart has always been full of anticipation um, of the Advent season as we celebrate the coming and the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, For me as a child, you know, you think of things uh, when I was in school back in the day, uh, we were taught Christmas carols, believe that, in public school. Uh, And we had Christmas parties and we decorated classrooms and uh, we had a Christmas tree. And of course, at home, there was all the festivities of preparing and Uh, the purchasing and preparation and wrapping of gifts and putting them under the Christmas tree and all those things that are part of our tradition and custom of the celebration of Christmas. Uh, But I remember Christmas would come and then it would go quickly. And uh, instantly, uh, my heart was sad. And I, I just remember how difficult it was to watch my mom take the Christmas tree down and then take it down the stairs and throw it out by the dumpster in the apartment building where we lived. And, uh, oh, it was just heartbreaking. And I can remember uh, a couple times where I would just go down and I would sit amongst the Christmas trees next to the dumpster, holding on to them, you know, like not wanting them to go because in my little childlike mind, they represented all the good things about Christmas that that I looked forward to. And then I can remember one occasion just sitting there and then, and then, then hearing those, that dreadful noise of those big trash trucks coming and I knew it was the end for the Christmas trees. And I held on as long as I could until they, they got to the front of the driveway and came down the long driveway of the apartment building. And then I fled for shelter uh, as they came and they took the Christmas trees away. And then I would wait. I would wait for another year, right? And so as a child, Christmas seemed to be about waiting. As soon as it came, it was over, but then you were waiting for next year to come and all the good things that it it entailed. And so this morning, um, we're going to be looking at a person in the Bible. We don't know much about him. We know that he lived in uh, Jerusalem. He was a man named Simeon. And in the 
the birth narrative of Luke. In Luke chapter 2, we come across his story. And he was a person that was known for waiting, for waiting. Uh, What we do know about him uh, is that he was a very devout man. He obviously had a very close relationship with the Lord. Uh, He knew the scriptures. And he knew uh, that the scripture promised the coming of the one who was known as the consolation of Israel, uh, that is the Messiah, uh, who would be Christ the King, right? Uh, The true King of the Jews, Unlike Herod, last week we learned, who liked to call himself by that title, uh, Jesus was to be the true king of the Jews, the the long-promised, the long-awaited one uh, of Israel, the ones that the prophets had foretold. And uh, all the scripture pointed to this moment. And during this particular time in the history of the Jewish people, um, there were rumors of the Messiah's coming. And, and this was a particularly difficult time. It had been a very dark time. Uh, the people were under the, impression, uh, the oppression of Rome and the Roman Empire. And, and they desperately wanted uh, to see uh, the throne of David reestablished and, and the Messiah who would come and rule and reign and deliver them from the oppression uh, that they were experiencing. So during this time, there were rumors. And those rumors were really fueled by hope that the Lord would fulfill um, the promise that they had long awaited, especially during those difficult days. And and during this time, there were were many false hopes and and false messiahs, those who claimed and came and and claimed to be sent by God, and yet they they weren't the true and the promised one. And so Simeon was a man in waiting. He was a man full of that hope. He was a man waiting uh, for the consolation of Israel, the promised one. And as we look here in Luke chapter 2, we read about his story. Now, the scripture says in chapter 2, verse 21, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, and the name the, uh, the, name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And of course, uh, the circumcision of the children. You look back into Genesis uh, chapter 17, verse 11. It's a, a sign of the covenant that God made uh, with his people, a sign that they had been uh, set apart from all the other nations and the peoples. And it was the custom uh, when a Jewish boy was born on the eighth day uh, that that child would be circumcised and would be named. It was also the custom that 40 days after the birth of a son, uh, the mother would go for purification rites uh, following the birth. And then after that, if it was a firstborn son, there would be actually a, a dedication ritual or rite that would take place in which the parents would dedicate that child um, to the Lord, the firstborn son to the Lord. All of these things are happening in the context now of what we're reading in Luke's birth narrative in Luke chapter 2. So then it says, when the time had come for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now remember, um, these purification rites, we read about them in in the book of the law in Leviticus 12, verses 2 through 5. And it's likely that Joseph and Mary had uh, settled in um, Bethlehem, which was six miles away from Jerusalem. And so they took him there. 
to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written, the law of the Lord, verse 23, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and um, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what um, is in the law of the Lord. Uh, a pair of doves or two pigeons could be offered, one for the purification rite and one for the, the dedication of the child. And and if a person or a couple, if they had means, they would actually offer, they could offer a lamb. But if they were uh, poor, they could offer a pigeon or a dove or two pigeons uh, and two doves uh, as a substitute. And so obviously here Joseph and Mary are very modest and simple means. And so they offer um, the lesser of the two, if you will, in the sense of uh, the, the pair of doves or the two pigeons. Now, verse 25, and if you want to connect this to a promise in Scripture, uh, you can look at Isaiah 25, verse 9. Um, Isaiah 25, verse 9. In fact, I'll just go there right now, and I'll read it to you, because this really kind of is a, a fulfillment of what we read here. Uh, and it, Isaiah 25, verse 9 kind of sets the stage for what we're going to see here with Simeon. Isaiah 25, verse 9 says... In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Okay. And so we're going to see Simeon proclaim something very similar here as we read on. So it says, now there is a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Now, we don't know a lot about him, but we know about him. We read very quickly about his character. It says that um, he was righteous and he was devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That, that was a term that referred to uh, the Messiah. Uh, the consolation of Israel. And we know that the Holy Spirit was on him. So he was a devout man. He was a righteous man. He was waiting for the coming of the Lord's Messiah. And as he waited, the Holy Spirit rested upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, verse 26 says, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit. You you see the prominence that the Spirit plays in, in leading Simeon. And, and you know, that's the same Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in every follower of Christ Jesus. Do you know that? And that as followers of Christ, we too have a conscience dependence on the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit leads and guides us in, in our journey and in our walk of faith. And so it's the Holy Spirit that moved him. And he went to the temple courts When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon now took him in his arms and praised God. And and as, as Simeon now, as we picture him, we see him taking this child that he had been waiting for, that really all of Israel had waited for, but he had been promised that he would see this child before his passing. As he takes that child and now he holds this child in his arms, he, he's going to proclaim, he's going to give thanks to the Lord. But what I want to say is the same can be true for you and for me this Christmas. 
that as we come, we come to the manger, we come uh, to Bethlehem, we come, we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can pick up that child and place him in our hearts, right? And we can rejoice in our hearts at the birth of our Savior, that the the, the promise of the Old Testament prophets, all that the scripture looked forward to and foretold, is realized in the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so just as, as um, Simeon picked him up, held him in his arms, and is going to rejoice and make proclamation, right? Um, and celebrate his birth. So we do the same. We place him in our hearts. And our hearts are full. And we rejoice. And so Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, and, uh, uh, he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. And of course, uh, that dismiss your servant in peace, you may now dismiss um, that goes back to the early 4th century uh, in which there were um, prayers, evening prayers, vespers. In the Latin, um, it literally means you now dismiss. And, and at the end of the services, they would, they would use that phrase, right? You now dismiss us. And, and so it goes all the way back um, to this passage. And so Simeon is saying, now you can dismiss me. Uh, I've seen it. Uh, the promise has been revealed. You may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. In the sight of all nations. Uh, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people Israel. Now, do you remember when, when God spoke with Abraham? God promised Abraham that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed, right? And so God was at work through the Jewish people, not only to bless them, but through them, through the Messiah to bless all the nations of the world. And we see a beautiful picture of that in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. And I'll read it to you. Really is the fulfillment here of what uh, Simeon is talking about, where all the nations of the world are blessed as they gather around um, to worship the Lord. And beginning in 7.9, it says, uh, After this I looked, this is John's revelation, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Now, what did this multitude consist of? From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne in front of the Lamb, they were wearing white robes. They were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne uh, and to the Lamb. Okay? And so in 
Simeon's song that we read here in Luke chapter 2, in which he's praising God, he's making reference to what we will see fulfilled on that day, what John sees in his revelation in John 7, uh, 9 through 10. Um, then he goes on to say, verse, uh, verse three, uh, 33, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, uh, This child is destined to cause the falling of rising of many in Israel and to be a sign uh, that will be spoken against. And, uh, of course, this is referring to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14, where it talks about Christ as being the chief cornerstone, a stone of stumbling to those of his own people who would reject him. Okay? And Simeon uh, is referring to that very scripture here. And he's telling Jesus' parents that although this is a time of great celebration, it's also going to be a time of heartache because he is going to divide the nation. Those who will believe and follow their Messiah and those who will reject him. And to those who reject him, he'll be be, uh, a stone in which they'll stumble over. And so there's going to be division that will come. This is good news, but it's good news for those who follow, for those who will believe, for those who will receive uh, the Lord's Messiah. And then it says, so that the thoughts and hearts of many will be revealed. And what he's referring to here is that every person who comes um, into encounter with Jesus Christ, their, their hearts are revealed. What is in their heart is revealed. Uh, There will be those who will receive him, who will give him place in their heart, will give them room in their lives, and there will be those who will reject him. The same was true then, and the same is true now. Um, But we gather as those who receive him and who celebrate him as our Savior. Then it goes on to say, um, a sword will pierce your own heart or your own soul too. And this is really looking forward um, to Mary and to what she's going to witness because Mary is going to give birth to her son in the manger, but she's also going to see him die and be crucified on the cross. And in her lifetime, she's, she's going to see the breath of all of that. And so he's prophesying and he is preparing Uh, her for what's to come. As I think of Simeon and I think of waiting and waiting on the Lord, um, Isaiah 40, 31, if you have your Bibles, open that up to Isaiah 40, 31. There's a passage there, a, a great passage you're familiar with that deals with waiting. It says, those who hope in the Lord or those who wait in the Lord will renew their strength They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not be faint. And and I really think that that Simeon really personifies this passage, doesn't he? He was a faithful, devout, righteous man. And he was waiting. He was waiting for the things of the Lord. He was waiting for the promised one of Israel, the one that he had been told he would see. Um before the time of his own passing. And God was faithful. And in the waiting, 
Um, Simeon, his heart was filled. And, and I think about our waiting and, and how we wait for Christmas. We wait for the celebration of the first advent. But really, we now are called for another kind of waiting. Uh, we are in waiting for the second advent. We are in waiting for Christ's um, return. Uh, that image, that picture that we saw uh, in Revelation uh, 7, 9, and 10. Uh, we are waiting for Christ to come again. And of course, oftentimes I'll remind us, um, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. And the child whose birth we celebrate in the manger is the child who is our Savior. Uh, he died on the cross for our sins. And he is coming again. We live in this in-between time, this awkward time between redemption and restoration. In Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says that all of creation, right? All of creation groans, it waits in eager anticipation of the redemption that's drawing near, of the day when, when the sons of God, those who um, have received Christ, will be revealed at his second coming. And the consummation of all the scripture promises will occur. Okay? And all of creation groans and waits in, in eager anticipation uh, of that. Uh, and then, of course, we read as we go on, we read in Second um, Peter uh, 3.9, you know, it says, 3.8 says, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day to the Lord. And people ask, where is the Lord? When is he coming? How come he's not here yet? And uh, Peter writes that, you know what? The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as, as we understand time and, and, and the passage of time and slowness. But he's very intentional. And he's waiting. Um, but when that time comes, when, when all who will be saved, all who will trust in the Savior, Jesus, have come, then, then, the day of the Lord will occur. So he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come, and he's waiting. But when that time comes, when all have come, then the day of the Lord will come, and Christ will return. Uh, and as I think about that, and I think about what we anticipate, what it is that we are waiting for, um, this is a, a scripture I read frequently at memorial services, but it's a beautiful picture of, of what it is that we anticipate, that we, like Simeon, are people in waiting. He was waiting for Christ's first advent. We, of course, are waiting for Christ's second advent. Let me read you this picture. It comes from Revelation 21, and it's a picture of, of the new creation when all things have, have been made new, okay? And the work of restoration is complete. And it's a beautiful picture. It says, verse 3, chapter 21, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will will be with him and be their God. Okay? 
Now listen to this. Listen to this promise. Listen to what it is we're waiting for, right? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Okay? That is a beautiful picture. And so, as we await with Simeon the celebration of Jesus' first advent, it points us to an event that's yet to come. And as we... um, Filled with the Holy Spirit, wait patiently, waiting in faith. Uh, We look to that day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Okay? He is coming again. And my prayer for you and for me is that in our time, in this time between redemption and restoration, that our hearts would also groan in eager anticipation of that redemption that's drawing near and that our part of the story would be that each of us would be simians, that we would be people in waiting, waiting eagerly, for the promises of Scripture fulfilled in the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ is coming again. Prepare your hearts. Ready yourself. Let's celebrate the hope that is ours in our risen Savior.